So some people might say something like, why would you have different devices? It's infinitesimally a small screen. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are how is everything? Way things up, way are up there. things are quite well, Dan. We're feeling a little sad here today, you and I, though. It's a sad oh? day. Oh, it's always a sad day, Dan, if you re- read enough stuff. H.G. Geiger. H.R. H.R., rather. Human Resources Geiger. Human Resources Geiger. Thank you. I'm mm-hmm. very upset. I can't even think straight. <laughs> uh, is he somebody you think about a lot? Think about him, you know, every time I watch that movie. Hmm. Well, either both of the two movies. I should be sadder when people die. I'm trying to get you sad. Okay. Um, could you play me a montage? Maybe a training. <laughs> could I see an H.R. Geiger training montage? <laughs> Putting a knife into a into a sheath on his uh, boot, shunk. Doing lots of sit-ups with a Frank Stallone song playing. You showed me that album cover. I'd never seen that before. Which one's that? The album oh, cover with oh 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 yes, this was a big deal. Circa nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty six. How did I miss that? Well, it was it was one of those things like uh, you know like Satanism and D and D that everybody was freaking out about in the eighties, um, and uh, so the like I said in, the, in my uh, in my uh, in the robot, yeah. it's not not the best Dead Kennedys album, but anyway, Dead Kennedys put out an album. I forget eighty five, eighty six. It was sometime when I was unhappy in the eighties, and uh, called, <laughs> was there called, a time we weren't unhappy in the eighties? Shut up! I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> I have to sleep this way. <laughs> oh God. Maybe I should buy some towels to replace them then. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, here's the thing. Dead Kennedys were, uh, were an amazing band uh, that burned. They shone brightly for a while. Uh, they put out this album called Frankenchrist that included a poster, a little giveaway poster inside of it with the, the little frame that garishly mentioned the name of the album. But in the middle, the main art part of the poster proper uh, is a piece by Geiger. I think I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm not sure. Geiger. Yeah. Anyway, the alien guy called Penis Landscape. And um, you can Google that. And uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. See, I was talking to Roderick about this the other day. It blows my mind how much people today don't remember how how freaked out and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just how how angry and freaked out everybody was in the 80s about stuff like Satanism, about stuff like, I mean, do you remember all the Robert Maplethorpe stuff? Oh, the- yeah, yeah. That book he came out with was like that. People were just up in arms at the book, not that it was being sold, but that it existed. Yeah. I mean, you know, as you know from doing photography, if you want to get a good photo of a whip, you're going to have to take several. You're going to want (laughs) to be angles, very secure and well lit. (laughs) White background. Yeah. uh, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. We get a call. They're they're filing lawsuits. uh, We got a lot to talk about today, Dan. And so anyway, uh, how does one describe this on a family podcast? Well, uh, it's, uh, it's a photo of, uh, what appears to be a, uh, a succession of, uh, the male part going into, you know, orifice over and over on a right. rampant, rampant on a field of, of penis. How, how would you describe it, Dan? No, that's, it's, You're an critic. no, that's what it is. It's showing, it's depicting something and. That's... And, and it's not difficult. I mean, if you imagine that it's a Dead Kennedys album and, you know, anti-corporate punk rock, it is, it's not a stretch for, say, let's say an 18-year-old kid to look at that and go, oh, this is a metaphor about how we treat each other, especially with people in corporations and stuff like that. Everybody is uh, geigering everyone else. 
Um, <laughs> HR hiring everyone else. That's right. It's called finger blasting. <laughs> no, no, that's from, that's that's a munitions term. It's called ordinance. Duck duck hunting. Duck hunting. I was doing pronunciation exercises before we started. So if I sound like I'm articulating very well, it's because I'm trying to become articulate. Duh. So that came out. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Overlooked was the fact that it was far from the best uh, Dead Kennedys record, but uh, it was, you know, it was all over the place. Cause you know, I just, it's, you know, there's, there are still hysterias today, but it's so amazing that you could watch a football player kiss somebody on TV today. Like that would have been so unheard of in my adult life, in my younger adult yeah, life, yeah, yeah, which is admittedly a while ago. But um, do you remember, I mean, are you old enough to remember stuff like Judas Priest getting sued about one of their songs being the cause of someone's suicide? Are you old enough to remember them? Rob yeah. Halford having to go to court and say, this is a song we wrote. We were not trying to make somebody kill themselves. Isn't that weird? Yeah, and D&D. I mean, I remember when I was, I only really, I say played D&D. I mostly drew maps. And yeah, you, when you, you know, there, there, were ki- there were kids who got together and actually played, or adults, who got together and played D&D, which meant they got together in a physical room with their dice and their papers and their, you know, best accents. And they played a campaign and their characters went on adventures. And then there were guys like us who sort of just drew dungeons and made characters by ourselves and never actually or very rarely actually played the game. Well, D&D, yes, absolutely. And D&D had a, a special affinity for people who were like me, you know, lonely almanac nerds who right. liked reading. And my mom was remarkably sage, I, I think, given my mom's proclivity for hysteria. She, uh, she was like, I'm just, I'm glad you're in the house reading. Like, that's fine. You're, well, the worst thing I'm doing is drinking too much Mountain Dew. But the whole existence of things like, you know, the demons, you know, and spells, bags of holding, a plant that looks like it's actually a, a rabbit, but it's not. Um, it, it, just, it, it just seems like for, for a stretch... Well, for me, part of it was also that I was in college. I was in, I was tuned out to a lot of popular culture in, in, at some point in the eighties, I missed a lot of stuff. Like I didn't watch Star Trek, new generation and stuff like that. Cause I was in school at the time, but it was enough that even I was aware of it. It was just constantly on TV all the time. So anyway, that was, as they say, red meat, the, the penis landscape was red meat for the people who were looking for something like that to be uh, flustered about. And, and so anyway, then I mentioned that because the file card they were constantly whipping out was like, it's like, I is the Academy Award. Nominated, winning. He won. Did he win an Oscar for Alien? He should have. I mean, that was amazing. We should do a five by five of the movies just on things we can't believe didn't win the Oscar. <laughs> that would be a long show. Yeah, I was watching that John Milius um, documentary on Netflix, and you know, it's another one of those. What is it? A raging Bull lost to ordinary people, and <laughs> Apoc- Apocalypse. <laughs> right, Apocalypse right. now lost to Kramer versus Kramer. Or do an episode called The Losers and go over all the ones that didn't. Beautiful didn't Losers. Mm-hmm. Mm, there is no second place in the Oscars. That was Yogi Berra said that. Anyway, yeah, it's a shame. I don't know much about it. He was, what, 74? Passed away? It seems like a long... Oh, did you hear about Casey Kasem? Yeah, that's freaky. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's relevant to, to productivity, creativity, Dan and Merlin. But yeah, Casey Casey's... Uh, yeah, it turns out, uh, I, I guess he's... Uh, he's on an Indian up. reservation. Huh? Well, that's where they're saying they think he might he might be. What for cheap cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, that's that's why. Hot slots? No, because they're saying that uh that he was moved, uh he's been moved around and someone is saying that uh he he's n- not 
in the United States, but they could have meant that in the sense of like, you know, an Indian reservation is not, it's in the United States, but it's its own thing. It's sovereign. It's my understanding that it is sovereign land. True. That's right. It's like going into, it's like uh, Jason Bourne, like running into a church. It's just like, just like him. That's the Highlander thing too. Bless you. Highlander is, uh, is Sean Connery in that? He was in. Who am I uh, thinking of? I'm thinking he, of the guy with the crossed eyes. No, he was in, he was in that. Okay. That was a good movie. The second one was not as good. And as long as it's confession time, let me tell you, uh, can I tell you, this is one of those Dan and Lex kind of things. I'm going to tell you the name of a movie that I never saw until four nights ago. Oh, wow. And now it, it was so good. And I liked it so much. I can't believe it. Can I tell you the name of the movie? Yeah. The Hunt for Red October. What? You've never seen that movie before? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Next, I'm you're going to say you haven't seen Crimson Tide either. I've never seen Crimson Tide. Is that Gene Hackman? That is Gene Hackman and, uh, and, and a very good, you know, Gene Hackman with a little small dog in a, in a, in a submarine. <laughs> Recording people's phone conversations. <laughs> you need to, you need to see this Denzel Washington in his prime. In his mm. prime. Prime, prime Denzel. Hi. I, so what, what do you mean you didn't see the hunt for an October? How do you, how do you explain a negative Dan? <laughs> you know, I missed my window 1990. Uh, you know, I don't think I saw that many movies at that time. I was not the Alec Baldwin fan that I am now. And boy, is he ever great in that? You know, what's great about that? He's, he's handsome, he's yeah. talented and he's playing low status and it totally works. It does work. It works well. And this is, uh, he's by the way, is playing Jack Ryan, the same character played by Harrison Ford in the Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan movies. You give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> That's the least of those, right? The one with the drug dealer. That's the one I've seen the most. That's the poor on, one, yeah. Used to be on HBO <laughs> every afternoon. Yeah. I was on constantly. And that guy, <laughs> the guy, that, that character, that wonderful uh, Hispanic character actor is out there hitting the baseball. Oh, I like that's a good scene, though. <laughs> he's in a different movie and he still has not eaten all of the scenery. He's so good in that. I love Harrison Ford. Anyway, that's, what I would, that's a sign of wealth is that you, you, you when, when, <laughs> you when, got an, your own batting cages. you got your own batting cages or, you know, the, all, the equivalent of that would be right. one of those where you're hitting golf balls into the net. It's the same. Uh, like, that's the equivalent. Yeah, yeah. If you're sort of a, a little upmarket from, from batting cages. See batting cages, like to me, like a lot of those, a lot of these douchebags go out and want to buy a boat. God bless them. And it's like the thing is a boat, a boat is just an excuse to spend more money. It's like getting a drug habit with yeah. a sale. And, and like in this case, I think, I think I could see batting cages. What, what three times a year you have the guy come out and service the machine, right? You got service the machine. Oh, I'm sorry. The, uh, the pitching machine. Was that a, I thought it was a euphemism. Oh, it certainly is. <laughs> I ain't just for pitching, buddy. Like I like a slow pitch. <laughs> love, love with an easy touch. Wow. What has happened to this? <laughs> it's your idea. I was going to ask for suggestions. I know, you want to talk about the penis guy, not me. God damn it, Dan. Just H.G. Geiger. H. <laughs> I think you're thinking of H.G. Wells. That's what it was. No, that's what it was. The octopus guy. Orson Wells. Who are, who are you thinking of? Orson Bean. Are you thinking of uh, of uh, of Jeffrey Bean? F. Scott Fitzgerald. Who are you thinking of? Which one is the Cthulhu guy? Okay, that's uh, that's H.P. Lovecraft, which is not H.R. Puff. Okay, that's, I was thinking of because uh, he came out with a thing on uh, on that uh, Halloween night, freaked everyone out. What's that? The one with Paul Lynn and Kiss? Yeah, where the thing there, it was a radio show, and then it was a movie. 
I was thinking of that special with Paul Lynn that had Kiss on it. Oh, right. That was a Saturday Night Live episode, I think. No, 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 no. No, I think you're thinking of Jimmy and his Magic Flute by Mozart. Um, Dan, Dan, um, hi. Nay. Let's see what else I got in here. I got some other prime topics for you here. I messed around with, I have an Android phone I messed around with. It's too big. Uh, it feels like the third rail. It's too I'll big. touch it if you want. Too big. <laughs> too big. Hmm. <laughs> Not too late to crowdsource topics, I think. No, no, no. Are you kidding? I got tons here. I'm trying to be a gentleman. You want to talk right. about your damn phone. Dan. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> For at least the second and probably fourth time, you've given up your iPhone and moved to Android. No, I'm back on the oh iPhone God. again. Back on the iPhone. <laughs> You're such a piece of crap. Didn't you do a big hate quit a few days ago? No, no, no. I talked to Andy about, about my experiment. I wanted to try out Android so I could talk about it better. And uh, so I got one. I got an unlocked HTC One M8. That sounds expensive. It was fairly expensive, but I do it for the listeners. Mm. And... Uh, and I, I, I have it and I've been using it a lot and I, I can take the SIM card out of one and put it right in the other. And then it becomes my, my carry, my primary carry, as you so say. My, yeah, my carry. I call my carry my everyday carry. Phone, six, the phone is, I, I got it because it represents, uh, it represents a really good Android phone with a really crappy camera is basically the HTC One M8. Do you use your camera a lot? That's the thing I do. I found out just how much I do use it over the few days that uh, the week or so that I had it. And, um, and it's a, uh, it's, you know, it, there's so much to like nowadays about Android, but, but there's still a lot to like about the form factor and the size of the iPhone. And for me, it's more just about what size phone do you want? I really hope, I really hope if Apple does release one of these, these rumored, 12 inch iPhones that they're talking about doing that. They, they keep the small one because I like, I really, really, really like the size of the iPhone the way it is right now. I hope if they release one, let them, let them make a big one. Fine. Yeah. But there's, there is something to be said for a phone that is the size of, of the iPhone and everybody wants these bigger screens. And I really, really wanted to try a bigger phone. Mm-hmm. really wanted to try it. Like when the, when the first Nexus came out, uh, I really wanted to, the Nexus tablet rather, I really wanted to try that size tablet. I didn't care so much. Is it Android? Is it, is it iOS? It didn't really matter to me. I wanted to find a device that, that would be that size and try it out and use it. And I, I do like that form factor. I like the iPad air. That's my favorite tablet, but I mm-hmm. like the Nexus seven for, for different reasons. I do not like the size of the uh, uh, most of the Android phones that are out there right now. Have you tried one of yeah. any any phone that's a larger size than the iPhone? No, I had a um, I had a G one in nineteen seventy eight. That's the only Android phone <laughs> I've it. ever had. It was it. free. HTC HTC was kind enough to send me H- one. H H T. Um, uh, oh God, are we going to talk about Android phones? No, okay. I don't want to. We don't need to get into it any no. more than that. But you know what? It's just, it's surprising to me. What I thought was going to be the hurdle for me was, oh, I've got to get different apps. Or, oh, I've got to work with the phone in a different way. Oh, I've got to get used to the Android ecosystem. No, right. all of that is really, really straightforward now. <sighs> and almost every single app that I use on the iPhone with one or two exceptions Almost every single one of them, they're on Android and they work just the same. And in fact, the Android, it got, it got better cell signal. It connected to the, 
Bluetooth in the car faster. It was in general, it just worked the way I wanted to make it work. And if I didn't mess with something, the defaults were pretty good. I was expecting that to be some big iOS to Android transition, but no, not the case at all. It's simply the, it's come, the, it, has, it has come a long way, a right? long way. And now it's really at the point where you just pick one and go with it. But it's, it's so much more about the hardware for me. The, the size of that phone, the, the, the size of the screen, I just, I really am. So maybe it's because I'm, I'm not, you know, you're, you're a Hulk of a man, truly. Mm. And for you, I think, you know, a, a big phone like that, you could still palm it as you say, and, and, and work it. <laughs> But for me, it was, it's just too darn big. I don't think this is terribly deeply complicated. I think what you're experiencing is uh, <laughs> is really uh, super normal and emblematic of a big divide. I have I have, um, despite all attempts to the contrary, had to leave the house a few times in the last few weeks, Ugh. and uh, I had to be somewhere in public yesterday. And I was really struck um, by what I've heard all of my friends talk about. Which is, um, well, let's just say for the first couple, three years, it seems like all, you saw so many iPhones out, out and around. And now, I'm not even going to say I see lots of Android phones. I see a lot. I mean, amongst civilians, like normal people, I see a lot of people with what looks to me as an identical phone, although I'm sure they are far from identical, which is a large, a very large white Samsung phone that is, I would consider a tablet in my mind. But but they're not. I mean, they're they're. Yeah, I don't know if they're phablets, but they're big phones. But yeah. everybody they and they hold them in a different way. They hold them up in the air like some kind of a talisman. Like maybe they want everybody to see it or something. Maybe you have to hold it that way because of the spread. But anyway, I, I I was astonished by how many people had these very large phones, and I I don't and I, I think there were a lot of men that had them, but there were really a lot of women that had large. Uh, those large phones. Now, I don't know if that's a purse-related thing. I think it's. I think there's one real simple thing here. These people are not Apple nerds. They don't have an iPhone and an iPad. They want to have one device mm-hmm. that they can do all that stuff on. Hmm. And just straight up, I mean, when I was shoulder surfing, you know, watching what people were doing, about 50% of the time, 40, 50% of the time, it was Facebook. And a lot of the time, it was texting. Um, you know, but it was a lot of like uh, social interaction kind of stuff. And I imagine in, in moments of repose, probably watching movies and stuff like that. But there's one simple thing here, which is they don't have, I'm guessing if you had a phone that size, would you also carry around like a Microsoft surface Yeah, that's or, a good or, question. Or, or, or put differently, maybe a large, one of those ginormous Samsung pads or an iPad or whatever, maybe, but I think that's too close. To, for, for both. And so people aren't going to go out there. They're going to capitalize on the, I mean, aren't they, are, and they're pretty well subsidized, aren't they? For like a, yeah. a middle. So you could get a pretty decent Samsung Android giant, giant ass phone uh, for as your, as your go-to carry phone, as you said, as you say. So I think that's, that's a big part of it is that for most people, it's not in consideration to have a modestly sized, powerful phone device that you keep in your pocket, as well as an, uh, a, a tablet device, as well as with nerds like me, a laptop. Yeah. I mean, every day when I go to work and then every day when I come home, I always have my phone. I always have my iPad uh, mini and I always have my um, laptop. I mean, it's close. I don't go far, but I always bring those back and forth all day because I use the three for extremely different things. So I, I wonder if that's part of it. Uh, there's another part of this, to be honest, Dan, you're a snappy dresser. You wear pants that fit. And I bet it's it feels real dumb to put something that big into pants that fit. 
Honestly, I'm not making fun of you. You you do. You wear clothes that fit. I I, I dress like half a hobo. But you, <laughs> I can't imagine you jamming like a seven inch item into your pocket. Mm. One of those giant. One of the giant like the note. Unless the galaxy pays up note. Front. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I mean this the the HTC one is. I think it's like a. It's not that large. It's not like as large as the Galaxy Note. It fit in the pocket fine. But yeah, that's just the thing that that people have is they have these big, big phones and the trend is certainly to go bigger. And it makes sense. I hadn't really thought about it from the way that you just described it, which is people might just want one device and it's kind of that compromise between a phone and a tablet. I actually didn't. And here's the thing that's amazing is after I used the phone for a little bit, I used it for a little while and I thought, man, this big screen is great. You can, you can see so much more stuff. It's so clear. You can, and after a few days of using it, I'm like, but it's not really benefiting me at all to have a bigger screen. I'm not really the, the experience has not improved that much. It's, I, the, it, things are a little bit bigger, but that doesn't really matter. It's not like it's the difference between mm-hmm. looking at a, an iPhone and a full size iPad air. That's a big difference. Right. This felt like a, a little bit bigger, but it wasn't that much bigger. It's like, well, I don't, I don't really know. You know, it's not the more leg room situation for me, which makes a big difference. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that different. It wasn't quite that much better. And I feel I'm not going to go so far as to say a bigger phone screen is a gimmick because I'm sure that it's, it's better for some people, but it, I didn't find it to be better. So, right. well, I, I mean, know. when people talk about wanting a bigger screen, um, I don't know. I, I think about the trade-offs. One thing John Gruber, I think, is so so great at nailing is every time somebody comes out with some some wild new plan for a big tablet or a big whatever, John always comes back to the same question, which is a question that appeals to me, is what's that going to do to the battery life? Um, one of my friends yesterday, I forget somebody, um, I should be able to remember, maybe, was it Jesse Garrett? Somebody on on Twitter was saying, you remember, remember when phone phones lasted a week, when your phone battery lasted yeah, a week? Right. I mean, you know, when, when we all had little, my... Uh, my last, uh, what do they call it? Feature phone, I think was a Samsung. I had a, anyway, for a long time, for the longest time, I had the Samsung clamshell that my daughter uses as a toy now. And, uh, and that thing would just last forever. It was, it was a piece of junk. I mean, it, it, it looked like a pachinko machine in a restroom, but it looked like it worked. It was fine for, for use as a phone, and I didn't use it for anything else. Using it for anything else was asinine. Hooking it up to put MP3s on there was the stupidest thing in the world. Why would I listen to that on, on my phone? That's very odd. I have an iPod. That works fine. But um, when people talk about wanting that bigger screen, uh, to me, there's a couple natural things that you would want that for, and then just for myself and how I work, then probably a dozen things that that's terrible for. So, for example, like if you want to watch a movie and you're not going to do AirPlay, which you're probably not, mm-hmm. if you've got an Android phone, mm-hmm. or I guess you could do it with your Fire or whatever. But but I think one reason people see themselves buying is a lot of people buy, I think, buy these tablets for things like watching movies um, and for things like playing games. I, I mean, I, I don't know if the Facebook experience is that much better on a big thing, but I have to tell you, I mean, I, I still would rather type on my iPhone by and large. You know, um, I think I probably... At this point, I probably type just about as fast on my iPad mini, but I do not like typing on, on a big iPad, especially in landscape mode. But that's what I do. I'm, I'm a words guy. I, I, I type a lot of stuff. I don't do that much. I mean, I guess, like, for example, if I'm going to open up Snapseed and edit an image, it would be nice to have it bigger, but it's it's nowhere near the trade-off, like, to me, of 
Oh, let me ask, I didn't ask you this. Is it a, I don't want to say retina, but is it a high resolution screen? Yes. Yeah. It is equivalent to the retina type screen and people can nitpick the details, but for all intents and purposes, it's the same kind of screen you would have on, on an iPhone. What kind of battery life do you get? Like if you put on, if you, you know, bring up alien and decide to watch it, like, um, what, how much battery life would it take to watch a movie on one of those? Uh, that's a really good question. I haven't been doing a lot of movie watching, but in general, the battery life using, using the phone a lot because I was like setting it up and messing with apps and installing all the, you know, all the stuff, syncing everything, what I would call heavy usage from, from my standpoint. And I use my phone a lot. Uh, the battery life was as good or better as what I was getting out of an iPhone. And, you know, at the end, at the very end of a long day, it would still have five to 10% uh, at the end of the day. So battery life was really good. I wasn't doing a lot of like watching movies. I did put Plex on it and I did watch some stuff on Plex. And again, and this is the infuriating part, like the Plex software is really good. And for me, it was better than the iOS version of it. And it started the streams faster and it played them faster and you could scrub better. And, you know, like things like that, 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 you know, seems really useful. And I I found pretty much the same thing on the, the Nexus seven too, that it's a better Plex client. Uh, Boy, you're right though. The Plex on Amazon Fire is crazy. Oh, you got one. Yeah. Nice. It's bananas. Yeah, oh it's my gosh. Really good. It's just even stuff like when I want to wake up again, here we go with the Apple TV. When I want to wake up my Apple TV, Apple TV, Apple TV, time for school. And I got to keep it in the menu button. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, come on, dad, 20 more minutes. And with uh, Amazon Fire, it's like Johnny on the spot. It's ready to go. But, um, this is an analogy that I use for a lot of different things. When facing the black and white uh, world of the internet and the reductive thinking that one encounters from time to time, there's an analogy I find myself pulling out a lot, which is the analogy analogy of uh, like a wallet versus a suitcase. Mm-hmm. So some people might say something like, eh, so, uh, uh, why would you have a, a different device? Uh, uh, it's infinitesimally a small screen. Well, I have a wallet that's always, 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 always in my in my pocket, right? My wallet, it's got stuff like money in it. It's got stuff I, like ID, you know, like, uh, you know, credit cards and stuff like that. Stuff I'm going to need, you know? And then there's stuff that I use less often, but I definitely want to have in there when I need it, right? Like we went to the zoo to see the new uh, baby red panda. Super cute on Sunday. That's always in there. Uh, our Avengers cards, aka our cards from uni, are in there. Uh, and that fits just fine in my back pocket, right? No problem. Um, and when I, but when I travel, let, let me go step up from that. So step up from that. I'm going to beat the crap out of this analogy because everybody needs to be thinking about this. Um, when I go between work and the office, I have my backpack. So my backpack has my iPad in it. It's got my laptop in it. It's got my little go bag, uh, full of all my various pills and pens. Right. And, uh, and then anything else, it could be a sweatshirt that I want to have with me. Anything with it. now. Not only can I not put a sweatshirt in my wallet, but even if I could, I wouldn't want to because mm-hmm. I don't need to have a sweatshirt with me everywhere I go. And, and by the same token, I wouldn't want to keep a large amount of cash in a big pimp roll in my backpack because sometimes the backpack sits by itself for a little while. Over here, over here. <laughs> but then you know what I also have is I also have a suitcase. And the suitcase is very, very, very large. And the suitcase is what I use to put lots of clothes in when I go somewhere else. All of those things, I need that. I don't need to have a toothbrush in my wallet. I need to have a toothbrush go in this bag, in my suitcase. And then when I travel, that goes somewhere. And here's the funny part. Are you ready for this? How crazy is this? If I get to somewhere and I'm going to stay there for four days, I unpack the suitcase. I don't even use the suitcase for four days. It was really just there Mm -hmm. to take a bunch of stuff from one place to another. Thousand analogies for this. You could talk about it in terms of trucks versus cars, however you want. But I mean, 
in understanding why people have various devices or dingus eye for different things, I think that's really valuable. Um, and, and so for me, let's wrap it up. Um, <laughs> to me, the iPhone is like my wallet. Like I, that, that needs to be real dependable. I don't put betas on there. Uh, that needs to work. It needs to have battery life. I mean, I would not want my wallet to stop working at three every day. And I don't want my phone to just stop working out of nowhere. So I'm, I kind of baby it. I turn off uh, Bluetooth if I don't need it. Um, after reading that wonderful article that we can find for notes on how to improve your battery life, I started doing stuff like occasionally going into airplane mode rather than do not disturb. Because I thought, you know, what the heck? Piss on a spark plug, that might help. But, you know, the I would not want to treat my iPhone like a suitcase any more than I would want to treat my, uh, treat my, you know, laptop like a wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing, Dan, does that make any sense? When people get, when people get reductive about this stuff, I think it's valuable to understand in this case, maybe, maybe the thing here is that people are okay with the, with, it sounds like what you're saying is the battery life has gotten a lot better on these devices as the iPhone battery life has gotten less great. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the trade-off that they were willing to accept. That's like having basically like that. So now basically I would say what I, there was a time in college when I used my wallet as, uh, or used my backpack as a wallet. Also, I always had my keys in there. You know, I basically always kept like a rubber band, you know, a rubber band around a couple cards, but would basically use my backpack for everything. Cause that was essentially my wallet. I always needed to have these books. I always needed to have this stuff. So anyway, I, I'm beating that analogy to death for a reason, because I think people get real reductive about this without thinking about those trade-offs. And a lot of times I think you, you really don't hear about this. Is, I don't mean this as, as, um, FUD in any direction, but you rarely hear about people who just stop using stuff. You very, very rarely hear about people who got, you know, an inexpensive, uh, tablet to watch media on found it inappropriate for many other purposes. And then for no particular reason, just stopped using it as much. Maybe it needed a charge one time and they didn't plug it in. You know, I've had Kindles that were like that where the Kindle just got too old and janky and it just wasn't fun to use. You know, there's been times where my, our Wii has been in the closet for a year or two at a time. yeah. Yeah. And then we just brought it out again recently. Looks like crap, but it's really fun to play. So anyway, sorry, that was long. Does that, does that comport at all? It just sounds like that's not a good middle road for you. You'd rather have... Like you really like your your computers for being able to do coding and stuff like that. You can't give up, um, you can't give up your laptop or your desktop at this point and just say, "Oh, I'll get a tricked out tablet." No, it's not going to work for you for now. No, I wish it could. And there's a lot that I I feel like I could do with it. And you know, I tried that. I tried that experiment too. Using iPad Air as like a primary. But there's, there's two, there's something to do with the, for me and you're a words guy. So I bet you get this, but there is something about the immediacy of being able to type with a keyboard that for me, because I started typing with a keyboard when I was very young, you know, we're talking about Apple II time period. Um, you know, I mean, how sad is this, that we, I went to this camp where they had computers and I learned Everything there that I could possibly learn, we did it on, they had Apple IIs and they had TRS 80s. And if you ran really fast from uh, the playground into the room, you could sit down at one of the Apple IIs first and you wouldn't have to use one of the TRS 80s. <laughs> and so I was, you know, as fast as I could to get in there. And, you know, how sad is this that, that I wanted the computer so bad that I, I used to pretend 
that I, that I was like 10 years old, nine years old, used to just to make myself feel like uh, I was living in the future uh, while I was saving for a computer. I would put a typewriter in front of a little black and white TV and like imagine that one That's day so I would sweet. have I did a computer. Stuff like that. Poor and kids can be very creative. We can, we can. And I, you know, I really wanted to, uh, to, to learn about computers and use them and every chance I got, I did. And finally we got, we got my first one at home with my bar mitzvah money and it was just so great. And you know, I, so I've been typing ever since. And I'm not saying that that's like an old, old habit and I can't work any other way. But if, if I'm given the choice between typing something on a virtual keyboard or typing something on a real keyboard, it's not like I can't type pretty quickly on an iPhone. I can, but I just, it's easy and seamless and faster to just do it on a regular keyboard. And especially when it comes for, to something like coding or real writing, I'm not talking about email writing, but I'm talking about actually, uh, you know, doing, doing real, what, what you and I would pretend to call work, you know, writing code, well, the, kind of, the kind of typing, the kind of typing, whether that's, um, writing an essay or, or writing something in rails, the kind of typing that you can disappear into. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't want to know that I'm using a keyboard. I don't want to have, right. I don't want to, the best tool to quote Merlin Mann, the best tool is the tool you don't even know you're using. Hmm. Was that a, was that a slam on me? No, I think you said that. I probably did say that. <laughs> I think this gets to your Buddhism too, Dan, um, in some ways where think about, um, well, I mean, okay, so, so here's, here's a quick, you know, um, to, to agree with what you're saying. Uh, I, for a long time, as being the, the former uh, Inbox Zero evangelist, I was always very at first kind of miffed about an app like Mailbox and then later felt guilty about using an app like Mailbox because it was breaking my own pattern of what I knew was a best practice. Okay, now, why this happened the way it did was not fully taking account of history and how things change. But I was somebody that for years and years and years just used a computer. If I did email, it was at a computer. I could not really do email on that Samsung you know, flip phone, right? right? So, so, so the whole idea of like uh, Inbox Zero circa 2006 was based on this idea of being at your computer where you did have always on email, fair enough. But in that case, it did seem bananas to me. It still seems a little bananas to me to leave stuff sitting around you don't need to leave sitting around. But I'll tell you, when I wake up in the morning and I've got to go check my email to find out, like, you know, like this morning I went and checked my email just to see if there was an email from you about changes in the schedule, sure. right? Because that changes the day. Yeah. And But I'll see stuff in there that I, I need to deal with, but I don't need to deal with now or I can't or won't deal with now which used to make me feel really guilty because I still had the desktop mindset. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, there is still so much stuff I refuse to do on a device just because I've learned it's not the right way to do it. If I try to answer a lot of, if I try to answer a lot of email on my phone in particular, and, and, and I have other choices for where I could do that, it's not going to be as good. Because I look at my calendar when I answer emails. I look at articles when I answer emails. I do a lot more. If, if I don't need to do anything but just say yay or nay, that's fine. But the emails that end up sitting around, the email that ends up accumulating in your inbox is yeah. stuff that it's not as simple as a yes or no that you can give right now. And that's the problem. So with Mailbox, I've, very, and I've been looking at Dispatch, which a lot of people love, um, as another iOS uh, mail app. But what I'll do is I'll just flip it into later today, which I have set to two hours. So two hours later, that pops back in my mailbox. If that is just an email-related thing. If it's something I need to do as a task, I send it to OmniFocus and then archive it. But I mean, I, that sounds bananas, but I know that I have multiple devices and I know that I will do the typing better if I'm at the desktop when I do that. If I don't have to do it right now, 
um, that works for me. And so I, I do Inbox Zero, an updated version, like a third generation of Inbox Zero, that is a little cheaty about getting to zero. Um, but that's the only way that I could stay a sane person, I think. So, you know, th- to me, that's that takes a certain kind of mindfulness. And the reason I say it's like Buddhism is it's kind of like, think about like when you're, think about cooking. And when you think about cooking in this age of food blogging, you think about like making a creme brulee with your Viking oven or whatever. Right. You've got all this fancy stuff that you're going to be doing. I don't even know if you, I think you use a little torch for that. I don't know. But, you know, in an ideal world, you would do all of your cooking in the most tricked out kitchen in the world. It would be a top chef looking kitchen. But what, what if you go camping? Like if you go camping, aren't you going to think differently about what you're doing. You're going to think differently about the kind of food you can bring and store. You're going to think differently about the kind of food that's fun to eat outside. And if you're really, if you're a real ninja, you're going to think about how it's way more fun that my kid have a good time while we're out here doing this than I make the perfect meal. You're, you're, you're adopting to that context. Same if you live on a boat. Same if you're about to fly on a plane. Your ideas about what constitutes a good meal have to change in context with what you're doing. And if you keep this rigid idea of there's only one kind of good meal, which is me getting a piping hot prime rib with Yorkshire pudding everywhere, right. you're going to be an unhappy person. And so the difference is if you're an Apple nerd and you have two or three devices, I think it would be kind of unmindful to think you have to use one to do everything. You could, and if it works for you, that's great. But, you know, I, and you know what? That's let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why do you think there is? Is it is it this as simple as a financial reason? Why is it that people, including me, uh, think that we should have just one device like that one device should do everything? Because, you know, like I don't use my car for every single thing. If I have bricks to move from one place to another, I wouldn't put them in my car. They were, I would get some other vehicle to do that. If we were moving from one office to another, I wouldn't try to do that in my car. I would rent a, a U-Haul. You know what I'm saying? Like why in the technology space, especially in this mobile space, do we think that having one device, that one device should be able to do all of these things? Is it because so many people only have, you know, X hundred dollars to spend and that's it. And so they want a device that will do it all. The people who are in that position um, aren't having this conversation as too much, I don't think, because they don't have any other choice. Um, and then, yeah, they might want to kind of defend that decision. Um, but I, there is something elegant. In the past, there's been something very elegant about having, yeah, when I was on Twitter, or I was on uh, what uh, MacBreak Weekly, uh, Leo and I were really disagreeing about this because I was talking about how like I still kind of have a desktop mindset you know, the, the cloud to me still feels like an unfinished thing. Yeah. I still feel like I got to do all my own backups of stuff and, you know, offsite rotations and junk like that. None of it anywhere near as well as I should. Whereas Leo's like, I, everything's in the cloud. My photos, it's right. all taken care of. And that gives me the shivers to think about that, of just entrusting all of that. And I'm not, you know, Leo's a smart guy. He's going to make that decision in a way that's super intelligent. But for me, th- that's still my mindset is that the desktop still has primacy. As far as your question, I think there is something very so, so in that instance, like, you know, it is very elegant to just have everything on your computer and think of everything else as a hobbled satellite of a desktop computer. And so that, you know, that's kind of the old model. Well, the model today is, I mean, you know, I think Andy Nakos has talked about this a lot in the past. You know, you can just about get by with a lot of stuff on one device. And I think it's very interesting as, as an experiment. And it's just about doable. I think a lot of people do it because they want to see if they can do it. It's a form of uh, te- technological survivalism. Like, can I get by with just this leather man? Like, it's not the best Phillips yeah. head screwdriver in the world, but it'd be kind of cool if I didn't have to bring the whole toolbox with me everywhere. And I'm willing to forego certain things in order to be able to do that. 
And that's why, you know, then you bump up against stuff like you and I going like, why can't they have an air print, whatever it's called, printer at the hotel so you can print out, you know, it's so crazy to have to touch that disgusting keyboard to try and print out your boarding pass, all that junk. Um, I, I think it's because it's fun as an experiment for, for a lot of people and to, to see if you can do it. But it, to me, just for me, when I get to the point where now you also have to carry a keyboard and you're doing stuff in prompt or whatever, which is a great app, but if you're doing command line stuff, as your primary thing on an iPad, that's a neat trick. And if it works for you, I would never try and talk you out of it. But I think you're really bumping up the constraints of what that thing is for. And when it doesn't perform, you know, up to task, I, you know, there, I think there could be a lot of rat holes to trying to trying to you know make all that stuff work together. But you know, at the same time, talking, somebody like go ahead. No, Sorry. I was just going to say, like, you're talking about this, and it's making me think about all of these. Uh, websites and, and, uh, Flickr pools and interviews and things that are the sort of what's in my bag, uh, thing of showing like, what do people bring when they travel or what do people bring when they do X, Y, Z. And it's, you know, I remember when I met you, you had a huge, you were prepared, you know, for, for a full day worth of stuff. And you weren't sure what you, what you might wind up doing. Were we going to record? Were you going to need to bring a laptop? You brought this, you brought that in as a statement of preparedness, you know, but there's people who it's amazing to me what people carry around and people have asked me to be in these, these things or like, what do you carry? What's in your bag? My goal is to take with me the absolute minimum stuff. And I saw people in, in the chat room kind of talking to each other about, you know, what it is that they bring with them or why they, why they want one device that does everything. It's because they don't want to carry multiple things or they don't want to make the decision to bring something with them that they won't need or forget something that they will need. And it's, you know, I, just as much as other people, I love to see what other people carry. There was a, on, a, you, you know, a kk.org uh, has this cool tools uh, and they have uh, Mark from uh, from Boing Boing on there showing what he takes with him when he travels. I'll put mm-hmm. this into the show notes. That's a and, good. That's a good. That's a good photo. Yeah, I love that. And that's actually a pretty prepared and pretty minimalist, you know, pack of stuff to bring. And I just I don't know. It's it's you know you and then you watch Alton Brown, who's who's like the best dude in the kitchen in the whole world, and he always talks about devices that are multitaskers versus unitaskers, and how many things do you want to have? You know how many if you can get something that does it. But then in the world of yard work, we've talked about this before the the combo uh, weed whacker edger trimmer thing is crap. You need, it won't work. It will break. It will add time. It will take a lot more time to use it than if you just have two or three separate devices, but you're going to spend, you know, less than half as much to get the one thing. So I don't know. I'm with you though about the cloud. I don't, I don't trust as a guy who used to run servers and stuff. I don't trust the cloud. I don't trust anything. I don't trust my own stuff. I don't trust anything. I'm just expecting to wake up. Somebody's going to come and say, Oh, by the way, all of your photos and all your data is gone. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm starting over again. Well, that's what's going to happen. I mean, just, just listening to people's responses to stuff on like ATP and the prompt, you know, the, 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 there's on the one hand, I just sent you a link to my everyday carry. Um, You'll hear people talking about like, oh, you know, I trust everything to the cloud. There's this group over here. It's like, everything's in the cloud. Everything's in the cloud. And then if that blows up, there's this other group over here that kind of might seem like the same group. That's like, you're an idiot. Why did you trust everything to the cloud? And it sounds like it's the same people saying two different, uh, same person saying two different things, but it's not. Most of the people are jerks and aren't very sympathetic. But um, 
I don't know. I, I think if something works for you, that's a great thing. And I think trying different things can be a very valuable uh, experience. It's how you learn about new stuff. But I don't know. I, um, I, I mean, there's also times where I'll be laying there on the bed in the afternoon uh, in my repose. And I've got... Uh, <laughs> And I've got my iPad and my iPhone right next to me, and I'm using it for different things. I might be listening. I, I might hypothetically have a beta of a podcast app just on my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I'll be listening to podcasts on there while I'm like reading a comic on my iPad. So, you know, how luxurious is that? But, you know, and then again, I mean, things like syncing really change the, the game. It does help a lot. I don't, I mean, I sync through Dropbox, so, and I do lots of backups and stuff like that, but this is kind of going nowhere. Oh, that's your every. <laughs> That's your everyday carry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should put that one. Uh, we should put that one into, uh, into show notes. Show notes for this that. episode. You're listening to uh, Back to Work here on the Mighty 5 by 5 Back to Work episode 171. Find show notes at 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 171. B as in moisture, 2 as in succulents, W as in moisture. And, and we got, you'll we find got, uh, notes to everything we're talking notes about. Everything here. we're talking about. We got two sponsors. Let me tell you about our first one. It is our friends over at uh, at uh, Squarespace. I love these folks. Mm-hmm. They're doing something really special. They're making an all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy for you to create your own website, portfolio, online store. You can get a free trial and ten percent off. If you go to squarespace.com and enter the code, turns out. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, you're going to get 10%. And what is it that makes Squarespace special? They're simple and easy to use. They, they have these amazing templates that are always updating, always coming out with new ones. 24-7 support through live chat, through email. They're located in New York City, as well as a brand new office in, uh, in Dublin, which is uh, somewhere not on this continent. Beautiful paint furniture. <laughs> Plans start at eight bucks a month. This gets, gives you a free domain if you sign up for a year, which is always nice. They have got the built-in uh, e-commerce stuff, the online store. Every site comes with an online store built in. You don't need to give them a credit card. You just start building your website, and it's all drag and drop. They're always making improvements to their editors to make it easier to put your content where you want it, the way that you want it. They're going to have to run with that. <laughs> and, you know, it's... It's really, they don't talk about a lot of these other features. They don't talk about uh, the GitHub integration. They don't talk about how easy it is to embed code on your page or customize things. Uh, They don't talk about how you can import your content from pretty much every major blogging software or service out there uh, to try it out if you like it, see if you want to like it, see if you want to use it. It's really, really great. And they've they've got a really wonderful service. Uh, So so do go check it out. It's squarespace.com. Turns out 10% off. (laughs) Your first purchase. So thanks very much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work with Merlin Mann. A better web starts with your website. Go check them out. Mm. Do you like that? They're going to have to run with that one. They're going to have to run with that. You're just an idea, man. How do you carry around the Chewbacca? Lovingly. Like a shirt pocket or is that in a bag? No, it's in that uh, that bag in the back. I got my blender. I got my gin. Um, That's an original Chewbacca, by the way. Is it really? That's a that's a circa seventy seven Chewbacca, which my daughter still has not ruined. Strangely enough, look at that. Yeah, it is. You can see the eyes. Mm. So to get really close to the screen there, isn't he cute? He Those were cute. so expensive in nineteen seventy seven. Those are three dollars each. You could get one every few months. Oh yeah, and then yeah, you go to your friend's house and have the whole Millennium Falcon with all the guys in it and the gun. 
Hate that kid. Stupid idiot. <sighs> Kick the crap out of him any chance you get. Just don't let him know it's you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do stuff with his toothbrush. Boom. Hmm. Never done that? Mm-mm. Hmm. It's probably an urban myth. What else we got? We got a lot to talk about. What else we got? So that app that you're not using. Huh? You know, the app that you're not using, the one you were just talking about. No, the other one, when you're laying in bed. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So I was, I was invited to use it also, but did not have the correct devices registered. So I'm now waiting for the second update. I'm so sympathetic. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry to hear that. I'm very sympathetic to developers because it's, it's hockey and, um, the other one, test flight, test flight can be so frustrating to use. And like, for some reason, sometimes devices just don't seem hooked up with something anymore. But I've heard people like Marco talk about it in the past and like how you, I guess you get so many slots and then you got to de, it's hard. It takes a long time to de, and actually it might, might have been Gruber. I forget, but talking about having to deregister devices, it sounds like a real pain in the butt to use those apps. Yeah. Basically for people who aren't, who haven't been invited to a beta there, like uh, Merlin said, there's test flight and there's this one hockey app, which I have. I'm using for the first time with this, or maybe I was on an Instacast beta that used it. And basically it's, it's in order to install an app on an iOS device, there has to be a trusted certificate that's installed for them. So these sort of certificates, they're these services that generate these certificates and will send them out to registered devices so that the developer can then send out these, the beta software that you've already certified and approved is okay to run on your phone. And because unlike with something like Android, where you can just check this little box, it says allow on author, you know, uncertified applications to run, and then you can just download something and install it. iOS is a bit more protective and will only let you do it if you go through these certain steps. So these services make it easier for the developer to push their betas out to you. And uh, if, if, if you have not registered the correct devices on the service, because you last signed into the service over a year ago, uh, then when the beta gets pushed out, even though you'll get the email telling you that you're invited to it, your device will not be part of it and you won't get to uh, try out the new thing right away. Yeah. 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 I, um, I don't do, I know it's kind of a hipster thing to be in the beta for everything, but I, I'm pretty, if it's something I use a lot, um, there's only a couple apps that mean an awful lot to me where I'll do the betas because there's just so many ways it can go wrong. And again, you know, I'm an idiot. I don't know why stuff breaks, but it breaks. I'm probably the only person in the world that this has happened to, but a perfectly fine device that works just fine in hockey or test flight. Suddenly one time it just can't install the app and we don't know why. Yeah. So I go and I delete the certificate and I start over and it still won't install. And now I don't have this mission critical app. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, and I'm not trying to be cagey, like stuff like text expander. I've been on betas for text expander. I don't think it's smiles fault. Like sometimes these things just happen. It's happened with other apps too, where suddenly, you know, just this is unable to install, you know? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, people should use the things that they enjoy, but you know what, what is interesting to me, uh, about your situation. I always feel like I, I told you the story about how I ended up using, having, having to use a G1 at one point when our, all our stuff got stolen on vacation and it gave me a new perspective into how much stuff I wasn't really appreciating about, I won't just say my iPhone, but I wasn't appreciating about the ecosystem in general, you know, uh, when I had to do that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's an interesting view to see how everybody else lives to use a different platform. 
you know, it feels so alien, feels so strange, feels so wrong. And, but you know that for millions of people, that's what normal feels like. And I, I honestly don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as if you use my phone, you'd think it's really weird too. Like, why can't, why can't I change the background on just this screen? Or why can't I do this thing with notifications? Like, well, it's Apple, that's how it works. Um, but it is, it must've been illuminating for you to come back. I mean, were there things you immediately noticed about how stuff looked or worked when you, when you, even after like what, a week away? Yeah. And that was the funniest thing is, is, you know, you, when you're using something as much as people like us use a smartphone, boy, I'll tell you the little tiny things are, are so different and so noticeable. Um, there's something intangible and hard to describe about iOS and the iPhone that I felt like it was lost a little bit in iOS seven with their sort of muting and uh, Andy Anako's words, sort of hushing of the, the operating system a little bit, but it's still there. And that is, there is something that there is a personality. iOS has a personality. It's hard to describe. And I know this is a little, as, as you would say, namby pamby, but mm. it does. It really does. There's something that's a little tiny bit bouncy and fun to iOS. That's not there with Android, not a criticism, just something that I noticed after spending a week with an, ex, pretty much exclusively using another phone. Uh, the, I don't know how we lived without touch ID. You know, when you have children, you have to lock your devices. You have to. Because Cash will say, MJ has your phone. <laughs> when I set it down, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, she has it. She's running through the house with it. If she unlocks it, that could potentially, you know, I don't know what could happen. So you've got to lock your, you've got to have your phone locked. And my daughter, my daughter tutored, accidentally tutored her threes score. To, I saw that. The other I day. saw that. That does not a very good score. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll be sure to share that with my six-year-old daughter. Right. Don't make Eleanor, feel awesome. Uh, this, 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 this guy here. Right, right. The, the guy this, in Utah guy said your score who, sucks. <laughs> this guy with the Cthulhu icon thinks you suck at threes. Right. But you know, so uh, just having to unlock it every time. Corners. <laughs> <laughs> but having to go and unlock your phone every single time is such a nuisance and a hassle. Not a big deal. But the thing, the things that I notice. Uh, one is how slow on iOS, how slow it feels on this is on the five S how slow it feels when applications launch and close the transitions ease you in and out of the, it's very slow. Android's very fast, but overall, I just, I really like the form factor of iOS. I really like, it's not that the apps are all amazing. They're not all amazing on iOS. They're not all amazing on Android. They're, they're pretty much equally good and bad back and forth. Uh, but there, there is, there is that consistency. Uh, there is the immediacy of being able to just press your thumb on the thing and it unlocks and it's right back where you were. I really like that. And for me, the form factor is, is what seals the deal is the phone that I'll probably carry the most is the, the form factor of the iPhone being smaller. And, you know, I'll, I use an iPod touch from time to time. And if I use that for a few hours at my desk and have that right there, if I'm using it for, you know, iMessages or something like that, and then I'll go back to the iPhone, the iPhone will feel too big. Oh, I know. It's I, weird I, I, how that happens. Oh, it's, I totally know what you mean. I, um, our iPad two has mostly been relegated to playing music in our daughter's room at night, like falling yeah. asleep music and stuff like that. And so my wife and I talked about it. And, la and last week we finally were like, well, 
I don't want to say this is going to be your iPad child, but like, this is kind of going to be yours to use. Right. So I finally went in, I deleted everything that kind of, you know, and one thing about the app store, of course, is it downloads every app, whether, you know, it's needed on all the devices or not. So I, I deleted a bunch of apps. I'm still kind of tricking it out. I put everything into handy folders and stuff like that. But even just in that, like one hour of using that, it felt so huge. I mean, it felt improbably large. Yeah. And it's not a retina screen. I don't, I, the, the, um, I don't have a retina iPad at all at this point. I'd love to have one, but the, um, but that, that thing looks, it does, it look, you know, it still looks great. I mean, I have to say it still looks great. Um, but it was so heavy. I'll tell you what I'm starting to notice. I'm still using the old Instacast, for example, and every day I still use it. I really like it, but I, it's, um, it looks so old now. It's really strange alongside stuff like that. I use a lot that's updated like drafts or editorial or Omni focus, you know, which are more iOS, which are iOS seven apps. Yeah. Instacast. My gosh. It, it looks like it should practically have wood paneling, you know? I like wood paneling. Mm, I like wood. Wood, good woody wood, antelope. Um, that's a pretty long show. We could do. I got a couple more little. We'll do some follow upies. You want to? We know we got another sponsor, but do you want to? Uh, there's some? there's interesting things going on in the world too. But yeah, whatever you want to do, it's your show. I don't care. Oh man, 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 man! I try so hard. I try so hard. Uh, well, stuff to blast through. Uh, um, an episode of the incomparable here on five by five that I was on uh, recently just came out and I love it. It's so good. Um, Jason Snell, uh, Steve Lutz, John Syracuse and me talking about Kiki's delivery service, which is probably my favorite Miyazaki movie. And I really like the way it turned out. I'm starting to suck a little less on that show. And the other guys were fantastic. It's a very funny episode. The after dark is a riot. Uh, that's in show notes. Check out, um, uh, the incomparable on Kiki. We got a lot of good, um, not a lot. We got a handful of notes from people that I thought were pretty interesting talking about. We accidentally kind of unintentionally got talking about privacy oh. last week and what companies do with your data. And there were at least a couple people that wrote in to very much say they think it is a general generational thing that they are around a lot of people younger than they who just don't have the same feelings about like, like Facebook hysteria, for example, that somebody like, like me has. I thought that was kind of interesting. Do you find that to be true? That the whole, like, I mean, I don't even know how to phrase the question as an old man, but the, the people who are over a certain age, let's say over 35, tend to think a lot more about what a company is doing with my data and should I know about that? Should I have control about that? Is that's, I, don't, I don't even know if I'm framing that well, but that's less of a concern for people that are 20. Yeah, they, I th for whatever reason, um, they expect everything to be public. And I often find myself questioning, like, You've, you've posted pictures of your kid uh, on online for a long time. You've got way more Twitter followers than I do, way more followers in general than I do. I don't do. think that's true. It's accurate. It's so accurate. And, and, and yet you're kind of, I don't want to say less private because I actually think you're more private than I am in certain ways. But like there, there are people who will do that and people who won't do that. And, you know, and, and I think that it, you know, it's, it's just sort of interesting to me, um, the decision that you make to, to, to share certain kinds of information and other information it's not shared. And I was, I was talking to somebody in, uh, in her early twenties and there's like a thing about posting your relationship status 
on Facebook if you're in like your twenties, like it's like they would like, uh, she was saying how, well, like you can date someone. And even if you're like, you know, in a committed relationship to that person, dating them exclusively monogamously, you, you would like, Oh my, it's like a big deal. If you were actually to change your Facebook status to reflect that you are seeing that part, like that's a big, like seriously. Yes. That is the equivalent of to you and I, what I would, I would almost say that's like, to us, our generation like of like engagement getting ring. Enga- getting an engagement ring and asking, oh her. my, God. that's like how serious something like that is. But they're going to post a thousand pictures from the party that they were at last night, where you know they they were completely plastered and you know doing all kinds of things. That no big deal. Share that, and maybe your employers will see it. Maybe all your friends will see it. Who cares? Uh, but like changing, updating your relationship status to like dating some. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like that, you do you know, that when a, you get married now. That's an interesting way to put it. It's something Dana Boyd has written about in, in a really lucid way, I think, um, talking about how, I mean, one of her, I think one of her, I don't want to misstate, but I think one of Dana's central points is that, you know, it isn't that young people and teens don't care about privacy. They just care about it in a new way and they care about it in a different way. Right. And, you know, and she was writing about this mostly in like the pre Snapchat days, but I, I wouldn't want to speak for her. But I think it's, you know, along the lines of they want to have control over it. They want to know that their parents aren't going to see it. They want to know that these people can't see it and these people can't. And I guess that there's much more of a sense of like, well, this is a group that I can trust and stuff like that. Um, and so, so, so that's really different. But, you know, the, the, I think another one of those divides, though, at least in my head, is like, now this is what I feel uncomfortable talking about. I don't. The location stuff is what what I find so strange. You okay? Like, and for the record, I you, I, I, I just I I don't even tell. I don't. It's not that I'm like freaked out. Your about wife it. doesn't even know where you work. Well, I just don't like you know I, the whole idea of like constantly telling people like where I am right now um, has a lot of implications to it. That. I, I, I a, don't think it's not the at, worst. You're not well, at yeah. home. You're not well, with a, your well, family. A, right? a, you're here. Right. And B, you're not at home. Yeah. And stuff like that. So, I mean, like I say, it, to me, it's not a hysterical thing, but I think it, I guess what I would say, the only way I would put it up is that like, yeah, I post photos and stuff like that occasionally, but, um, I wonder if this is the same people who think that's weird would like basically let you know that if you come to this restaurant three times this week, you're likely to see me there. Like that's that that to me is, is right. strange. I've heard people talk. I think it was John Gruber was talking uh, about how like when uh, somebody your bar, when finds they discover your bar, your bar. yeah, <laughs> right. And you know that that's funny because like there are certain things that you want private. Like we, I have I have an office here. We've got a studio. We've got offices. We've got employees coming and going. Uh, you know, if if somebody were to say, "Oh, I'm going to be in Austin. Uh, could I come to the office?" I'd be like, well, it's kind of disruptive to like have a guest, uh, not a guest, to have like a fan just sort of show up at the office. Now, Twit, Twit's designed for that. Yeah. Uh, we're not designed for that. So I would say, well, maybe we'll have a meetup or maybe, you know, maybe we meet for coffee or something like that. But it, it, it like, so it's not like I try to keep our physical location a secret. I don't, but at the same time, like we're not set up to like have a guest show up and, 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 and just sort of walk around and like, there's people working and they're working on like doing sales and, and running things and editing. And it's not, it's not really set up for that, but like, it's even weirder. Like when I'm at Whole Foods, you know, shopping to get groceries and like someone walks up to you. That happens to me a lot. Like wow, way that's more so cool. than you would think. Well, it's cool, but like 
it's way more than you would think. That's the thing that always – like it's one thing to That's go to exciting, WWDC. That's You're famous. Come That's on. Super cool. Stop it. And like when we went to WWDC and we were walking and literally developers were pouring out of buildings as you walked by like – you know, thrilled to just see you walking by. That's a fact. I've got someone I can bring in who can corroborate that. And the, the thing, the thing that's weird to me is like, I don't ever think of it like that. And it, every single time, unless it's at an event or something, every single time it, it, it flatters me and surprises me. And it's, it's like the best thing in the world. And I totally love when people do that, but it never fails to just shock me that like people actually know who I am as a person. Like, it's just, it's weird. So imagine if you like announced that you were at this same Lamaze class every Thursday night at six. <laughs> right. That says a lot, right? I mean, it that really lets people does. know lots of stuff about, about what you're doing. So yeah. anyway, like I say, I mean, I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not that hysterical about any of that stuff. I don't think, but just cause so much stuff seems like a crapshoot today anyway. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know, but, um, but, and I, I guess I also want to clarify just in, in brief that, you know, a different, there's, a, there's an important difference to me between what the app lets you do with your stuff. Like if you go on to Foursquare, to me, Foursquare, there, it's pretty clear to me that uh, it's clear to me that Foursquare is saying our basic value proposition is that we make it easy for you to find people who have let you know who are okay with you knowing their location and then let you share your location. That's the point of the app. If you go in there thinking it's going to be Yelp, you might be freaked out and disappointed. Mm -hmm. If you think it's merely an anonymous way to glance information about locations, then that would be, that would be really frustrating. If, if they didn't let you know that they were announcing your location, that's obviously a no, no. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about, we were talking specifically about moves, the moves app where I, I don't know what kind of information they've retained, but I do know that at some point, a vast amount of information about me went into moves. So to me, one of the most interesting stories in the midst of all of this, though, is, is the M7 chip. And like, why, I mean, I, I've never read a spec on the, on the chip, but my understanding is it records as like an almost inconceivable amount of information about, you know, location and movement and, and what have you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so as, as that becomes something where you click that button and say it's okay, you're thinking about, you know, having it track how many steps you do. I mean, are you also thinking about the kind of triangulation that that potentially allows not for a person out there, but for whatever company acquires that app and what do we I guess I would say I think we deserve to know what your plan is for that information. If you're using that information specifically to let me know that there's easier ways to avoid traffic today on my on my device, that's great. But if there's even to me, this is this shows this pegs me as 47. I think if if there's even a conceivable plan that you're going to take the corpus of information about my movements, locations, and habits, and potentially sell that as part of a bigger deal. I'd like to know about that before I use the app. I mean, I'd like that to be big on the front page, not buried in a EULA. That, that was my point. I'm not saying that people shouldn't have the option to go share stuff they want to share. I'm saying that the companies behind them, again, who watches the Watchmen, right? Like right. the people, the people out there, what are they going to do with all that information? And if they get desperate, are they just going to sell it off to the highest bidder in, in aggregate or specifically? You know, part, partly freaked out by what the guy said about the cable box. Like that, that seems very strange to me. Yeah. That yeah. a cable box can be, um, the use of a cable box in some form or fashion can go to a specific user account. Show me how, how many times Dan fast forwarded over commercials or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's weird. That's weird to me. 
It's weird to me that they track that and the idea of where that will go. Look at, hey, current is today's headlines. Um, DirecTV in talks to be acquired by uh, AT&T for billions and billions of dollars. Can you, can you even imagine the kind of data DirecTV has? I mean, just because, like, you know, we had a, the first TiVo we ever bought was a DirecTiVo. A Hughes, I believe. Um, DirecTV TiVo. Think about all that yeah. information. Yeah. That's bananas. Dan, let's take a break and hear about something that you like. I will tell you about something else that's bananas. It is bananas. Uh, ben- bananas. <laughs> I think I misheard you. <laughs> bananas. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like something Wilford Wilford Brimley would ask for at a at a spa. Diabetes. Okay, help me with my bananas. <laughs> it's Warby Parker, and I, I'm I'm wearing uh, my Warby Parkers. I currently have two pairs of uh, Warby Parker glasses that that are in rotation, and I do different things about them. I want to come clean with you about something. I have I have my regular pair of glasses that uh, which an eye doctor would call uh, distance viewing, and then I have a, a separate pair of glasses that are uh, for what they call a computer use. That it, it it's it fixes the astigmatism part and doesn't really do much with the nearsightedness. So that things are really clear, but but it, it makes it easier on your eyes if you're going to stare at a computer for an hour or two or more. But that's the thing. These are from Warby. And I I love the styles that Warby has. I love the way they make their glasses. I love the whole process of of buying glasses from them. And so I don't get glasses anywhere else. I just don't. They were started with the goal of creating boutique quality, classically crafted eyewear, but doing it at a really good price. They completely circumvent traditional channels. So that you don't have to go to a, you know, to a, now they do have showrooms. If you want to go try these things on, you can also, you can also do their, uh, try at home thing, which I'll tell you about in a second, but they, they just completely go around these regular channels. This, this ancient history style of, you know, of going in and, and, you know, having to go through this lengthy process to get a really cool pair of glasses. And they also work with uh, Vision Spring and, and places like that so that every pair of glasses that they sell, a pair goes out to like a, the billion of people out there who don't have access to glasses. So it's really cool. Basically, their regular prescription glasses with the, the frames that I like start at 95 bucks. They have a titanium collection which is, you know, a titanium metal style. If you don't like the, the, the nice plastic ones, uh, that's 145. Both of these include the prescriptions and they have the really nice, uh, Japanese titanium and French non rocking screws. They've got polycarbonate prescription lenses. Now, if you have a weird prescription like mine, then they'll automatically bump you. I think it's a little bit more, uh, but they automatically bump you up to the high index. So you don't have the huge Coke bottle things. They take care of all that stuff. And uh, they got anti-reflective, anti-glare. It's all built in, no extra cost. I mean, all the things that you want as uh, as a person who wears glasses, this is the place to go. And the last thing I'm going to tell you about is the home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses. Now, obviously, these don't have a prescription in them. They're just, you know, the regular, uh, you know, lenses that don't do anything. But they'll send you five, any five that you pick and any style that you want. They send them to you. You try them on at home and then you send them back and you don't have to pay for a single thing. It's all free. And you decide, Oh, this is the one that I want. And then you, you, you put in your order, but you're not obligated to do that. So anyway, uh, the special deal that they have 
Home try on stuff's already free, but you're going to get free three-day shipping on your order if you go to warbyparker.com slash Dan. It's all you got to remember, warbyparker.com slash Dan. Go check it out. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the glasses that I wear the most are called the Sibleys because people are always asking me that. Uh, but great, great place. I, ca- I can't, I mean, I've been using these guys for years and years and years before I even, you know, started podcasting or trying to get them as a sponsor. And, uh, and I, and I love them and I love the service. Go, go check them out. Warbyparker.com slash Dan. Our thanks to Warby Parker for supporting five by five and back to work. Dan, is everything okay? Is your paperwork all shuffling, right? Shuffling, shuffling some, some papers. Uh, I print out papers. I print out my, uh, my business, uh, papers, business papers. I print them. Cause I like the, to, I like to have, that's the read right there. Or the credence tape. Yeah, we got guys working around the clock. <laughs> I'm trying not to overdrive anymore. I realize I cackle with laughter and overdrive. I well, we're, we're going to I got. I am. I am beta testing the new thing that I'm working on uh, for you. And if it were, it'll be here tomorrow. If it works, it will then be sent to you. Are you going to add me to the beta for that? I'll put you on the beta. So sign up. Add your device. I've been uh, beta testing that for a few weeks now. Your beta. Thank you. Oh, HR love and Geiger. Mm, 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 mm. We, uh, we're here every Tuesday at uh, noon uh, uh, Eastern time, right? Is that right? Yeah. Noon Eastern time. We record live here at 5x5.tv slash live. Uh, you can listen in. You can join us uh, at uh, showbot.5x5.tv if you want to help us pick out a title for the show. Uh, if you enjoy the show, uh, please leave a review or, or some stars over on the iTunes store. Mm-hmm. That's Is so there anything helpful. Else? It's so helpful. There's another thing to add. You had you had another thing that you were doing uh, that I wanted to talk about. Don't you have new shows and stuff? We do have some. I think we have. Do we? Yeah, we've got some new shows. Pick one. Uh, let me see here. I have so many. Well, the first one that I think people uh, who enjoy this show would probably like to hear about is a show called Supercharged, which is uh, from the, the folks who used to be doing the uh, – they used to do the Lifehacker podcast. And they left Lifehacker and they said, well, we really still want to do like a podcast that's along the same lines and uh, we, we want to do it with you guys. And I said, wow, I'd love to do this. Uh, so basically it's, it's supercharged. They, they talk about like the latest tech news, but they answer uh, the toughest life questions. They find tips and tricks and downloads for, for doing things better uh, in the digital age. And that's by uh, Adam Adakis, who is well-known over in Lifehacker Circles. So that's, uh, they, they did their first episode last week and we're real happy to have them. So come and, uh, and check it out. Five by five dot TV slash supercharge. And I'll put that into the show notes too. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Oh, and, uh, do we, uh, it's, I can't announce the other thing. I can't talk about the WWDC thing. Oh, that was the thing. Well, you still working that out? Well, we, I tweeted it and, uh, I had there, they, they told me that they could fit 200 people. So I tweeted and I put 190 seats available to and reserved a few for like hosts and other people. Uh, and they sold out within a few hours or they were free, but they, they were taken within claimed. a few hours, claimed within a few hours. So at WWDC, we're having a big party over at New Relic, uh, studios, a beautiful thing that overlooks the, uh, uh, the bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, because I know you got a few, and uh, it's going to be amazing. And uh, we may do something very, very, very special before that big public party, like maybe some private recording of of a show for a smaller number of guests. So it's, does that mean nude? You and I can be whatever we want to be. 
It's going to be, it's, it's hot here right now, Dan. I, I, I only wore pants today as a courtesy for you. I appreciate that. I mean, there's You're no welcome. way to, to verify. Sure. You want to rub them? I can rub them if you want. Yeah, rub them up. Hmm. Okay, hang on. Let's see. That's denim. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think of you more of as, as a corduroy man. Mm, corduroy. <laughs> yes. Maybe in sewer. Well, we'll have more about that uh, in the future. Yeah, very, very, very soon. I'll, I'll be tweeting about it, uh, and I, I, I want to talk to you about it because I want you to help define the the experience. Mm. So oh, yeah. I would love to define some experiences, yeah. I want you private or otherwise. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to button this up? Let's do it. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.